and welcome to IRI Growth Insights, featuring IRI thought leaders, industry partners, and guests. For more than 40 years, IRI has been known for its invaluable data, but these podcasts delve into the insights the data reveal to fuel market disruption and market growth for those in the CPG, retail, healthcare, and media markets. I'm your host, Joan Driggs, coming to you from IRI's corporate headquarters in Chicago. Hello, and welcome to another episode of IRI Growth Insights. I'm back with John Crawford, the leader of the Dairy Vertical for IRI as Vice President of Client Insights. John's industry expertise is vital as he leads relationships for a number of IRI's top dairy clients and dairy industry association relationships. John and his team create invaluable forward-looking dairy thought leadership that many, including me, rely on for the most up-to-date dairy insights. And honestly, we're coming with uh, the latest Dairy 15 right hot off the press. So when John and I last spoke, we really talked a lot about supply shortages. Now I feel like we're looking at inflation. I know that dairy's not alone, but you know, come on, butter prices and milk prices are through the roof, John. Yes, thank thank you for having me again, Joan. Appreciate it. Always always like speaking with you. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, dairy is certainly seeing its fair share of of high inflation. Um, eggs always, and and we exclude eggs from the Dairy Fifteen for this very reason because it is the highest um, uh, dollar sales growth category out there in in all of in all of um, edibles because of pricing, and so. Eggs, you know, typically go way up and way down in pricing, depending on what's happening in the market. Um, and so we excluded for that very reason. But we're seeing the same thing happening on milk. We're seeing the same thing happening on butter, as you mentioned. Um, and, and those are the two big categories where we're seeing, you know, tremendous inflation that's leading to some pretty significant dollar sales growth, but on, you know, volume decline. So it is, it is pretty remarkable that that milk is now one of the fastest, is the fastest growing dairy 15 category, um, but its volume is declining um, uh, in dollar sales. So, so where there's got to be some winners in there because we're not necessarily consuming less. Um, I can see that people might be looking for savings somewhere, but to what advantage are, you know, what categories are gaining? Gaining in terms of volume? Yeah, there's a couple, right? Um, so when we look at just overall dairy 15 categories, you have some growth. It's not a lot of growth, but it's a little bit of growth um, in, uh, in creams and creamers. So that's been a, a pretty bright spot category. Um, volume is only up, you know, a half a percent um, in the latest 52 weeks. Um, you have uh, refrigerated whipped toppings that has, has been a growth category for a while now. Refrigerated dips and, and sour cream is, but these are, I mean, you you want to talk winners in terms of categories? It it's those, but it's you know volume growth is pretty pretty timid. Um, you're talking you know less than you know less than three percent on on the highest growing category from a volume standpoint. And with some um, of, and with yeah, some of those like you know the whip toppings with um, the dips and stuff, could any of that be associated with holidays like the fall holidays, or is this dating pre fall holidays? 
Yeah, this is dating pre-fall holidays, but it's also a 52-week view. So, right, so it, it would capture last year's holiday. Um, this is data ending October 30th is, is the date we're using here. Um, so it is pre-holidays, but, you know, it is a, it is a full 52-week view. So, again, it's, it's, it's capturing all of the seasonality that you would see in these categories. Okay. So if let's just stick with butter because that's one of my top-consuming top categories here at the Driggs household. Um, butter is really expensive, but does that mean that maybe margarines and spreads are the big trade-down alternative to butter? Yeah, I think it's it's it is it is a an, an interesting trend. I always say interesting trend, but we are seeing for the first time margarine and spreads be a growth uh, category. And it when we look at all the categories, all the edible categories, right? Fresh eggs, I said, were were the were the fastest growing in terms of dollar sales. But margarine and spreads shows up here as number seven, um, which is which is crazy across the whole store. Um, and when you look within within dairy, margarine and spreads in terms of absolute growth, right, it is one of the fastest growing. It is up 17%, right? So 17% growth in dollar sales. As consumers, you know, inflation has certainly been hitting consumers. They've been looking for, um, you know, value items. And, and certainly margarine and, and, and spreads are that alternative to butter. Butter saw a, a real resurgence um, after the after COVID. Um, but then now with prices going through the roof, certainly consumers are making that trade-off. And it is interesting that we're seeing, you know, Shed's Country Crock is the, the fourth fastest growing brand franchise um, of all the brand franchises across all of um, across all of the Dairy 15. Wow. Is there been any changes, maybe some um, innovation happening in that category too, that might help explain some of the fresh allure other than, you know, the value? Um, I would, the, the answer is simply no, there, there has been some, some innovation in the category. Um, Shed's uh, Country Crock actually came out with a plant butter a, a few years ago um, and they call it plant butter. Um, but this is, you know, this is the, the, the mainstay sheds country crock brand um, that is seeing all this growth. So you're talking about the big, you know, the big tubs of, of um, vegetable oil spread, right. Is what we're talking about here. Right. Um, and so it's not been a very innovative category, margarine and spreads, nor has butter for that matter. Um, the innovative categories are, are as you would expect in milk and yogurt and in ice cream and novelties, but, but margarine is a, not a very, um, uh, a, a category where there's been a lot of excitement over the years. And, and we've seen declines, you know, over the last like five years that that category has been declining up until the pandemic. We had one year where it, where it was growing, but now this is, you know, kind of unprecedented the, the growth rate that we're seeing on that category right now because of inflation. Two very different, different shots in the arm for that category. That's interesting. You know, when I think of seeking value. Private label is really top of mind. And um, Mary Ellen Lynch, our, our dear colleague, just published a big report on private label. And she found that there's growth occurring in private label, mostly in categories where private label has traditionally done well. So I think of like the baking aisle and I think of dairy. So can you tell us a little bit about what's happening in the dairy category with private label? Yeah, absolutely. Um, the the, the dairy category, and, and I grew up, um, 
you know, cutting my teeth in, in, in dairy on butter and cheese, right? So those were the two categories that I was in marketing and, and doing innovation in. And, 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 and butter and cheese have about a 50% share for private label, right? Give or take. Um, and when I look at some of the other categories within dairy, you know, you see some categories that have been able to keep keep private label at bay, or the private label hasn't hasn't found an interest in getting into. So margarine and spreads is one where private label is only three percent of the category. Yogurt, it's only eight percent of the category. So there are a couple of categories there where private label has not been traditionally strong. Having said that, when the pandemic hit and through twenty twenty one we saw brands were outpacing private label in terms of growth in dollar sales. That has completely changed um, with, with inflation. Not surprising. We would have, we, you know, when we looked at the, the recession of 2008, we said, you know, folks are going to trade down. They're going to trade to private label. They're going to be looking for savings wherever they can. We are now seeing private label outpacing brands in 12 of the 15 dairy, 15 categories, um, which is closer to the historical average that we've been seeing, where private label tends to outpace um, dairy, excuse me, brands in dairy and in particularly in kind of what you would call commodity dairy categories. Um, it is interesting that private label will, will look at categories where growth is happening and then they will jump in. Refrigerated whipped toppings is a perfect example. It was growing double digits for a while and all of a sudden, private label decided to you know get into that category um, and started to really drive that growth there. And now, private label makes up fifty six percent of refrigerated whipped toppings, whereas I think a, a couple a couple of years ago it was in the twenty range. That is a handsome share of those subcategories. That's great. Um, so you mentioned that you know that some of these other categories are there other like good stories like that in the dairy category for private brands? Are, are there other opportunities maybe? You know, you even mentioned that with margarine and spreads, it's only about 3%. What could, what could happen there? Yeah, I think it, it, it's to some extent, if you think about some of the categories where it's, where it's a small share, um, it is, it, it's categories where you have some pretty dominant brands and, and companies that are um, that are leading that that business, right? So when you think about yogurt, you know you've got Danone and you've got um, you know a, a Stonyfield and you've got some really you know you got Yo Play with General Mills, right? You got some big, big, big brands and big companies that are that are that are you know leading those categories. Um, it's probably harder for for private label to get into those categories because there's only a, you know a handful of manufacturers that are that are you know driving most of that that manufacturing. On margarine and spreads, same thing. You've got you know you got, you got Country Crock with with Unilever. Um, you've got which, which sold to Upfield, which is a former Unilever company, and then you've got you know the Parquets and, and the Conagras of the world, a little bit of the Land Lakes of the world. Um, on the margarine side. And I would say that because private label has such a huge percent of, of butter volume, um, they've been focusing most of their efforts there, right? They've been absolutely um, a, a dominant player in, in butter and, and haven't seen the need to necessarily play in, in a margarine and spreads category that, again, until recently had been seeing, you know, declines over year over year over year. Same thing with processed cheese. So I would say it's it's a combination of factors. It's how easy is it to get 
to get into the into the category, how easy it to find manufacturer um, manufacturers that are willing to do private label for you, um, and then how attractive is that category and how how's that growth been? So, you know, it's interesting because you're talking about some opportunities and you're talking about private label and how well private label is doing right now. But private label is not immune to all the inflationary pressures that the brands are. So how is it different? How is it, you know, the input input costs have all gone up for everybody. How is it different for private brands versus name brands? Well, it's 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 simply right. The the comparison between the two, um, if you're you know you're a consumer and you're at shelf and you're looking at the the price difference between uh, you know a, a branded butter and a, and a private label butter or a you know a branded gallon of milk versus a private label gallon of milk, you are seeing a big you know range there, right? And and when inflation starts to hit. If your butter went from four dollars a pound to six dollars a pound on the branded side, and if if you had the same increase from say three dollars to five dollars or something along those lines, or, or two fifty to to, to four fifty on private label, now you're looking at six dollars per butter versus four fifty for butter, right? So maybe you were spending four dollars on branded butter before. Now you're going to look at it and you're going to say, okay, well I'll spend four fifty on private label. I'm not going to spend six dollars on on butter. So it's really that. It's really that comparison and, and folks are looking to save wherever they possibly can. And, and that's certainly when you look at absolute price point and comparison at shelf, you know, it, it's, it's no, it's no contest. And most consumers do understand that private label, you know, quality is, you know, on par with, with brands. Um, and so there in particular in commodity categories, butter, milk, um, cheese, where private label has has shown that it has very high quality, um, consumers are absolutely willing to make that trade off. Yeah, interesting. So I liked what you said earlier about like the difference, you know, or things that happened with the pandemic. And one of the things that we saw at the outside of the pandemic is that a lot of single serve items went away. Um, tell me a little bit about how that might be reverting in the dairy case because it's chock full of portable items that are perfect for going back to school or going back to work. Yeah, the, the big category um, where we're seeing that play out is in, is in yogurt. Um, and not surprising, um, you know, a good portion of the yogurt category is single serve. As, as, you, as you go and you look at that shelf, you can see, you know, how many different uh, items are, are, are on that shelf and they're all, you know, single serve cups. Um, a good portion of that business is, is a single serve. So when the pandemic hit, all the other dairy categories really saw this resurgence of, of folks, you know, being at home and 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 starting to cook at home and starting to buy staples and you know sour cream saw a resurgence and cheese saw a resurgence and you know some of these other categories, you know, cream cheese saw a resurgence. But what you didn't see was yogurt really kind of see that resurgence. Um, it, it grew more than it was before, but just very little. So then, when the when when the economy opened back up, and and you know the the, the um, schools and and work opened back up. I mean, work not not completely, but um, but but folks going back to school, you started to see yogurt really have that rebound. And, and yogurt right now is up about nine percent, um, and and that is some some very strong growth. It's the third fastest growing category. Um, right now across across all the dairy 15 and and that is because folks are now you know back 
you know, back eating on the road, right. And, and, and eating at schools. So that's um, and not, so yogurt is that's, a good category. That's yeah. not inflation. That's volume or um, it, it's no, it's inflation. <laughs> it's inflation. <laughs> it, it is. You're correct. It is inflation, but it is, you know, volume is, is soft. That's, that's across the board right now. Um, but it is, you know, we were seeing dollar sale declines before the pandemic. Um, then we saw very slight dollar sale increases during the pandemic. And now we're seeing, you know, nine to 10% growth. Yes, it's inflation. There's no question about it, but it is also, you know, folks are starting to eat yogurt more than they were um, before the pan be- before the pandemic. Absolutely. Oh. Now, what about some of the different things that people look for in dairy products? You know, how has that changed? Has inflation kind of wiped out our desire for, you know, looking for certain ingredients or different value adds, or has that not been the case? And I'm thinking here of like, you know, it might be enriched or um, prebiotic or probiotic or plant-based, anything like that that's kind of that value add. Yeah, so so consumers are still looking for products that provide a, a, a value, right, and, and provide some kind of a benefit. Um, you know, the pandemic taught us to, to some extent to, you know, to t- kind of take care of yourself a little bit more um, and, and to look for um, health benefits of, of products. So it is it is interesting that over the last couple of times that we've been looking at this immune defense as a claim within the dairy 15 has popped up to the number four growing claim um, across dairy. And then pre and probiotic, as you mentioned, is number five, right? And so, you know, immune defense claims are up by 15% and, and, and pre and probiotics are about 14%. And, and those are um, key benefits that, that dairy can provide. Um, and so, consumers are absolutely looking for products that are going to help them with their, you know, with their overall health. Um, and, and that is, you know, dairy does play into that quite a bit. We are seeing some, um, you know, you still see, you know, lack of claims that are up there, right? right? Low sugar, no sugar. Um, we see lactose free as one of the, one of the big growing claims. Um, and we've recently seen no trans fat pop back up. Um, I, surprised by that right and you know i was i was working in in uh, the butter category and in the spreads category when trans fats had to be completely removed from products and trying to remove trans fats from butter or excuse me from margarine was it was a real challenge um but that's popped back up and then no artificial sweeteners is one that has popped back up um and actually you know i haven't seen that show up in the top uh the top dairy 15 um claims um, for, for, for ever, as, as long as I've been doing this. So, um, yeah, consumers are looking for benefits of dairy, but they're also looking for absence, um, of, of other ingredients that, that might be showing up in dairy. You know, it's interesting that you mentioned the sugar when we were working on new product pace setters for calendar 2021, which would have been the 2022 pace setters that no low sugar was the fastest growing claim um, that people were really looking for. But when I think of dairy, I'm like there's a lot of inherent sugars in dairy products. So maybe it's the no added sugar um, that that would really pique people's interest. But sometimes I wonder if people know how many natural sugars are in dairy products. Yeah. And that, I think that that's, um, 
you know, with the, with the, the, the nutrition facts now saying added sugars, I think that that's a benefit, right? So how much, what, what percent is, is actually added sugar versus sugar in the product? Um, if you think about some categories where low sugar would play out, um, yogurt is, is the prime one, right? Um, there's a, there's a lot of sugar in, in the yogurt category over the years, certainly, um, you know, Greek yogurt put a little bit of a change to that and a little bit of a, a flavor profile change to what was going on in yogurt. Um, but, but, but you think about the Oikos triple zeros, right? You know, no sugar, um, in that product, you think about, um, ice cream or frozen novelties where low sugar can be a, can be a big benefit, um, where you took, where you're talking about removing the added sugar in that product, um, and not, you know, and, and not overdoing it on that. And that's where the artificial sweetener comes in as well. Right. So that we're not adding artificial sweeteners to get away from the sugar. You know, you can have the low sugar content, but if you add a bunch of, uh, of chemicals in there, um, consumers are not looking for that either. So they're looking for natural sweeteners, but they're also looking for less sweet products. Interesting. So John, one of the things that I always like talking with you about is what you're seeing on the horizon, because I feel that your your view of the dairy case and what's kind of coming in terms of new products and stuff is so indicative of where we're going. You know, you're the one who's always talked to me about the new versions of plant-based milks, for example, you know, like I remember hearing about oat milk and stuff from you some time ago. So what are you seeing that is really kind of catching your eye and that you, you find very innovative? Yes. So um, plant-based is still, is still there. Um, what you're seeing um, in terms of an innovative, it might be a strong word here, but you're seeing some plant-based brands, um, something like a Planet Oat, like a um, an Oatly, um, like a Silk, like a So Delicious, some of those you know plant-based only brands um, branching out into other categories. So you see you know, uh, Planet Oat got into creams and creamers and Planet Oat got into um, ice cream. You see Oatly had gotten, has gotten into yogurt. Um, so you see these plant-based brands branching out. And then you see some other brands, you know, some, some traditionally non, you know, non plant-based brands and frankly, not, not, maybe not even dairy brands, something like a simply, um, you know, from Coca-Cola, you know, simply orange and simply grapefruit and whatever you might have. They came out with a simply almond milk um, that is a, a nice package that that you know went into a category that was already very very mature, but brought some I think some new excitement to it with uh, a new branding to that. And you think about some of the plant based dairy items, particularly uh, fluid dairy items, tend to have a lot of ingredients in it, a lot of emulsifiers, a lot of um, you know kind of kind of non um, pantry ingredients in it. And I think that that that's been a trend that, that, uh, plant-based companies have been kind of trying to clean up their labels. Um, and, and certainly simply almond is, is a, is a, is a, a, a perfect example of, of that. Um, you're seeing, uh, plant butters, you know, coming out, you're seeing cheese. Um, a lot of plant companies, you know, kind of getting into the cheese area. Um, Miyoko's is a, is a plant-based brand that, that, you know, had some, had some success within cheese, has some success within, within butter and margarine. Um, they have uh, announced that they are launching a plant-based cream, excuse me, cottage cheese. And that'll be the first plant-based cottage cheese that's been on the market that we've seen. Um, so those, so when you talk plant-based, that certainly is it. 
when you're talking dairy, you're seeing some, um, some innovation around flavors. You're seeing an innovation around um, licensing, um, whether that be licensing with cereal brands or licensing with, with candy brands. Um, you think about ice cream and frozen novelties and some of the, you know, some of the, um, the, the brands that have been popping up in there, you do see some of that now happening in refrigerated desserts as well with, with the, uh, there's a collider, a collider line that has come out that has craft that has, excuse me, Rolos and Reese's and, and some, you know, layered desserts that have been coming out that are leveraging that. Um, and so there's some of those kind of things. You do see some brands that are, that are plant brands that I talked about that, that are jumping into dairy. Um, kind is one um, that has jumped into, into frozen, um, you know, ice cream. Um, so the kind bar folks, you know, going into ice cream. So you're seeing quite a bit of that. Um, those are the main uh, things that we're kind of seeing. Um, oat is still hot. I don't know what the next oat is going to be. Um, we talked a little bit, I think, about uh, uh, potato um, milk at some point, but I don't think that's going to that's going to that's going to click. Um, so I don't know what the next plant based. I think that I think you also mentioned to me um, pea milk. Was it pea milk? Yeah, pea milk's <laughs> been out for a while, and that hasn't quite you know hasn't quite taken off. Oat oat absolutely was the was the one that you know that that won the day, and like I said, it's been branching out into a lot of other dairy categories mm -hmm. um, to capitalize on on the the you know the real um, the the positive that that oat received within within milk and then within creams and creamers. So just to recap, um, dairy you know is is doing very well, driven by inflation. Um, that private label is making some huge gains, again, particularly in those areas where it has traditionally done well, but, you know, also where just at the shelf, people are able to save some money. Um, when we talked about some of the things that have rebounded, yogurt was like your number one, that single serve um, yogurt is back. Um, some of the attributes that people are looking for, some of the benefits remain um, immune defense. Uh, pre and probiotic, um, and people are still willing to pay for those benefits. So even if we're we're cash strapped right now, um, those have become pretty much go tos for people. And when I asked about innovation, you said plant based is still driving a lot of it, um, especially in yogurts, milks, and then even now with the new cottage cheese. So with that, John, I want to thank you for your time, and I look forward to revisiting the dairy case with you again. My pleasure, Joan. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening. Please become a subscriber and let us know what you want to learn more about. We'll serve it up in a future IRI Growth Insights episode. Look for us wherever you get your podcasts and be sure to review IRI Growth Insights. Also, visit us on the web at iriworldwide.com and connect with us on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn.